All right. Pulls. Is it? Is it on? Yeah, we're recording now. How did you do that? Because you watched. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it is now time for Because You Watched Whoosh! Wait, is it Whoosh or Zoom? It's both! Both! <laughs> Star-matic! Star Crash! Because You Watched Star Crash, Michael Vanderpool here, along with Dr. Alan Barris and Michael Clink, who whose mission in life is to prove that art matters. Because <laughs> it does. Are here today because of Star Crash... And because of Star Crash, we watched Space Raiders. Now, Space Raiders is a 1983 Roger Corman production. Uh, it stars people. Um, Vince Edwards, David Mendenhall, who's probably, I would argue, the most noticeable of the, the bunch. Um, Patsy Pease, Tom Christopher, a bunch of other people you have never seen in anything since. Uh, and Dick Miller was in it for like a second. As Crazy Mel. Oh, his Wikipedia picture is awesome. So, how do we start? How does this relate to Star Crash? Why did this show up in our Because You Watch Star Crash queue? The same thing. It was in space. Well, it's in space. <laughs> it's Roger Corman, and yes. we've seen Corman as a, as a common factor here. It's ripping off a huge chunk of uh, Battle Beyond the Stars, which we've already seen footage from in <laughs> Forbidden World. Yes. Same damn space fights. <laughs> yes. Uh, and I think that about covers it. When I, f when I was watching this, when I first started it, the ship looked familiar, the main ship. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, why does that look familiar? And I thought it was a Star Wars thing, so it looked like a starfighter from Naboo. And then I saw it as one of the, the aliens with the, the eyes that come up off the top of your head on Star Wars, too. The Ithorians. Ithorians, thank you, yes. Holy mackerel, nerd card, jing, jing, <laughs> Wow. <laughs> but... So the the whole thing is again it's that Star Wars feel. There's aliens in this. There's space. There's space fights. There's intrigue. There's prostitution. Apparently, I don't know. Yes, we'll, talk, we'll, we'll come back. <laughs> the, hold on, the... this will have to be bleeped probably. But the space whore is how it's, she's listed, or it, or whatever is yeah. listed in the credits. We'll come back. <laughs> yes. To... <laughs> so the space sex worker. <laughs> so this is interesting because. One of the criticisms of this film is that it repurposed footage from yeah. Battle, Battle, Battle Beyond, Beyond the Stars. Stars. So, when we talked about Star Crash and Galaxina and um, Cold Equation in the, in the second episode, it was really like, okay, what are these things trying to do as they relate to Star Crash, right? Like, Cold Equation being the melodrama, um, uh, Galaxina being the farce. Where do you guys think this falls in range of, like, seriousness? It's a t it's in the middle, because it's still trying to be space. I mean, it's very obviously space opera. There's funny elements in it. Uh, I'd put it in the same range as the Star Wars prequels, in the sense that there were occasionally silly things, like, say, the entire existence of Jar Jar Binks, or any number of other you little leave Jar Jar jokes... Alone. <laughs> that show up as visual jokes within the within the movie. We've got the unsuccessful space sex worker, which again we'll get back to later on. Because if no one wants to have sex with the wait wait wait, space we don't know she's worker. unsuccessful. We don't know this, <laughs> but nobody's interested in her. And by the laws of comedy and by science fiction, everyone should be on her like ugly on an ape. They should totally okay. be involved because that's better. 
<laughs> that indicates that again we're in a weird future. There's weird things going on. And and so let's talk about the space whore for a while. <laughs> so we're jumping the gun a little bit. A little bit, yeah. Um, and and sorry because I don't want to forget this, right? Like because when we talk about this as being a comedy, so this this yeah. actually plays into whether or not it's a comedy or not, right? The the comedy is the um, this is going to get bleeped too. The space pirate goes full. On the space horse posterior. Yes. And the space whore turns around. I'm just trying to see how many times I can say space whore in a, in a paragraph. <laughs> turns around and it has this big, huge, ugly alien face. Yes. And the joke is, oh, that's that's the joke, right? Right. Which would have been an, a cool setup. The punchline is would have been further down the road where somebody actually goes off with yes. said space horror. Or like a huge number of people yes. <laughs> indicating yes. that. Yes, it becomes like the door opens and there is the space horror in the bed smoking a cigarette where, where Hawk or, or probably not Hawk because they were trying to make Hawk flight an, plan. Totally flight yeah, plan. Yes, <laughs> yes, an endearing character. Anyway, sorry, space horror. And we move on. <laughs> Where were we? Oh, Dude, it's like five minutes so, in this thing. It's already like... What's been... it trying to do? <laughs> what are you yes, it's trying yes. to do? Yes. So Wikipedia mentions that this is a, uh, an attempt at a space western. Okay. And I said the only real western-y elements in this one are uh, the fact that it's a, it's, it's a pattern referred to as a professional's western. And it's based on the Magnificent Seven. And the idea is you get a gang... Instead of the lone hero or an accidental hero, you get a gang of professionals who is usually acting as either mercenaries or some that otherwise for hire who wanders into a situation. So in this case, it's kind of like that. But that's the only really westerny element other than the dirtiness of the world they're in. And the bar fights? Okay. Yeah. And the, but they had a food fight. So, so about that though, going back to what this is trying to do. Yeah. If I was that kid's age, which this kid is like eleven or twelve, uh, and I'm watching this. On the poster, he's ten years old, and they've taken him ten million miles into space. That's he's eleven tiger. or twelve. So if he's eleven or twelve, <laughs> let's say ten. I want to be accurate for the sake of it's fine. posterity. But if I am a 11, 12-year-old kid watching this movie, I'm going to you know enjoy myself a little bit just because it seems like it's geared more towards kids where they don't actually show the punchline of the space or being in the bed because the kid's not going to understand that. Yeah. The kid uh, definitely blows up ships, but there are not people on there, quote-unquote, maybe because they're robots, but he doesn't know that. And it's just about him being, we're supposed to think he's scared even though he doesn't do any emotion this entire movie. <laughs> and everything is like very brightly lit. There's no really scary parts. There's no really violent things. I mean, there's some blood, yes, but there's not a lot of outlandishly evil things or bad things shown. Because even the bad guy has a soft spot. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. I mean, and and again, in the the bar, there's a food fight that happens, and from the food fight comes an actual fight. But it's like one of those ha ha ha, let me punch the air in front of you. Yeah. Fight. Yeah. So this movie is made for 10-year-old boys. But at the same time, the entire crew dies (laughs) except for Hawk. And he might die, depending on how good an accidental surgeon uh, old uh, cousin Oliver is (laughs) when trying to fix him up. Oh, so was it successful? As a kid's movie? Yes, I think so. Or like a kids movie in the same realm as um, as uh, uh, Mike, I think you mentioned earlier, Cloak and Dagger. 
Right. Like, this is basically me as a bored 10, 12, 11, 12-year-old 12 in the 80s being like, oh, wouldn't it be awesome if this happened to me? Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming, because, you know, we're going to get into talking about, like, how the plot doesn't work and, and all those other things. Kids don't give a rip about that, right? They want to see aliens, which we have. Aliens, check. People getting shot and, and fighting, check. And there's crazy Mel. And there's crazy uh, crazy Mel hologram, check. Like, this idea of being, like, I, I wish when I was younger that I was a child of aliens and that they were just going to come back and take me away, right? I mean, like, most of us probably, most of us nerds probably had that that thought. Mm-hmm. And this this was us being able to live out that fantasy in film. Now, for us now, or probably even 30, 40-year-old men back then, I don't know that this would have. They were probably watching Chuck Norris. Mm-hmm. Uh, not Brando. Who's the other? Who's the Who's the other guy? Bronson. Sorry, Bron- I just compared Bronson. <laughs> mixed up Bronson and Brando. Wow. <laughs> Did I lose Lucky points think there? Both dead. <laughs> yeah, I would have lost points there. <laughs> so I'm trying to see if it made money, and I can't see anything box officey here. You guys, uh, I can. If it's If it's Corman, it made money. The issue is, it probably had a pretty low budget to begin with. And partially repurposing, right? That's what Wikipedia is telling us why they got a little bit of of criticism from repurposing, which, in my mind, whatever. So, Corman sold New World, and this is a direct quote from Wikipedia, uh, sold New World Pictures in January 83 for $17 million. Uh, Stayed a consultant, he agreed, blah, 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 blah. What does this film have to do with this film? He announced plans to make films budgeted between 2 and $5 million using cash from the sale of New World. Mm-hmm. He wanted to make less commercial films. Those <laughs> films included Space Raiders, uh, included this film. So this was probably made between 2 and $5 million, which I can see it. Um, and wanted to make less commercial films. That doesn't make sense. So I'd have to follow that, that link to see where that comes mm-hmm. from. But um this is basically Saturday morning cartoon sugar. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, with a little bit more violence than usual. I guess in the 80s, it would have been nothing. <laughs> but nowadays, we're, yeah. we have different sensibilities. So, it was successful in making 12-year-old boys happy. <laughs> That's a weird thing to sell. Yes. Yes. Uh, so, let's get into the um, WTF moments. Oh, and this is... I guess before we do that, did you see the poster? Like, the poster, and if we're going to judge things, or again, from the oh, 80s yeah. as the poster being the main vehicle for, for selling Which these things, be, yeah. right? Um, it's kind of Indiana Jones-ish, mm-hmm. Jones-ish, which is interesting because if we go back to the second one, Temple of Doom, the most, probably more, more popular than Raiders. That's the worst. But what was the more popular? It was the first one I, I remember. I didn't remember seeing Raiders until much later. That's a, that's, that's a tough call. Okay. Because uh, Raiders did do pretty well, but... But Temple of Doom is very much indie with a young boy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This movie is set up as, even though it's a group, it's Hawk with a young boy. Yeah. Um, but from the poster and everything else, I think looking at that just confirms the stuff that we already said. So good job, Mike. Um, my first WTF moment, again, it's the very beginning, with this stop motion insect that the kid is going to trying to capture. And he captures with a plastic cup. Said insect then eats through that plastic cup, and the boy recaptures that insect in two plastic cups, and that seems to be the thing that keeps that plastic-eating insect captured. Yep. I didn't understand. That's what you didn't understand? This entire movie is pretty much <laughs> downhill <laughs> from here. <laughs> Golly. The other, thing, the other thing that's the very beginning WTF moment is, like, where, what is even going on? 
Right. I think this is one of the movies where it needed a crawl at the beginning to set up something of who these people even were. Yeah. A crawl or some kind of narration or something? Oh, narration, Alan. Punch him. Ah. (laughs) Well, that's pretty much what, if they're going with uh, lower budget, yeah. then having some sort of voiceover, instead of having the voiceover where it was just the guy saying, hey, we're going to have a company picnic, make sure it, the, and it's just it, it did, nonsense. <laughs> it didn't have to be narration. It could have been, if you see here, so we get, and we're, I started the film over, we've got a planet shot with the uh, opening credits. Um, we see a, a helicopter shot of moving over the base mm-hmm. here. We don't see anybody moving. That's like the Millennium Falcon. We don't see any, if we go back to that shot, there's nobody actually, like, these raiders aren't moving in, so we have no idea that that's even be visually communicated. If we would have maybe heard their radio communication, not as narration, but as some explanation here of what was about to happen. Because all of a sudden, kids hunting an insect, and then space pirates show up. And why is this kid roaming around this weird warehouse thing just without... And it's not established until after the kid ends up kidnapped that he's... Obviously, it's inferred. You know, you're making the assumption he's related to somebody here. But, like, they don't do anything for setting up anything. And, again, I think a misunderstanding of Star Wars, because Star Wars starts with that first opening sequence, but the crawl helped to establish what was going on there. Well, that and clear character design and yeah. a number of other things. Wearing black, yeah, the, the wardrobes, everything, yeah. Speaking of that bug, that kid broke the prime directive because he took the bug onto a different planet and let it go. That <laughs> yes. is the most dangerous thing you can do <laughs> yeah. to an ecosystem. Asian carp, anyone? <laughs> Man, yes. Zebra mussels? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, and that's still on our same planet. Yeah. So you put that bug on a different planet, who knows what's going to happen? It'll yeah. become the god king of that planet. <laughs> I know. Yeah. There we go. There's my sequel idea for this. Because <laughs> out of all these movies, I'm either going to write a prequel or a sequel based on what's yes. going to help me try to make more sense of it. Um, so what are your WTF moments? Because we could watch this whole thing straight through and be like, yep, that's one, that's one, that's one. All right, my first moment, and this is from Battle Beyond the Star, Battle Beyond the Stars, actually, is, are those boobs yeah. on their ship? I thought they yeah. might be testicles. When I, Depending on which angle you see, and we're talking about the, right. the spaceship yeah, yeah, that's yeah. used here, the primary spaceship. The thing spaceship. that looks like a hammerhead shark. Yep. Or an Ithorian. Yep. And it's got boobs. And I was wondering if this might be some kind of play on the idea of a ship's figurehead. Mm. Well, it, so this... Like you got the mermaid with boobs on the front yeah, of your yeah. pirate ship, and this might be a so if we, play if, on that? If we go to where this ship came from, Battle Beyond the Stars, yeah, yeah. and the culture that had this ship in Battle Beyond the Stars was very much a elven, organic, in-touch-with-nature okay. culture. Was that the, the chick that barely wore anything that was the, the warrior? No, that, that was the Valkyrie. Okay. That was, that was the Valkyrie. Okay. No, this is the initial planet that Scarface comes and says he's going to give seven days or yeah, whatever it right. is, seven risings I, I, of your I sun. To watch this so they were, yeah, Battle Beyond the Stars, so the initial planet is like a peaceful yeah. planet unable to defend themselves, right? Seven Samurai. Um, and their ship is very organic, um... <laughs> I'm, I'm making motions with my hands as I try to figure out which words I'm allowed to say compared to every other ship that we see that is very much straight lines, harsh shadows, blah, blah, more blah, blah, blah. Which at least yes. from a design standpoint does make more sense. That 100% makes sense. But right. just being used out of the blue here. Exactly. Like, what is that doing? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Watch this. I watched this with my friend and he was saying... Is what's he up still with your friend? The... Yeah. He's saying, what's up with all the boobs? So that the ship... 
And then they go down to the planet to see the other ships towards the end of the movie, and there are these uh, silos that look very rounded, <laughs> chestacular. Yeah, and then the one woman in here gets shot in the chest. Yeah, but doesn't everybody get shot in the chest? No. So the first guy, that's another WTF moment, okay? The first guy that gets shot on this planet as they're getting raided. This guy here? Yeah. yeah. We're watching the movie right now and there's a scene. Oh, WTF. He, okay. he gets shot in the stomach and then later on they take him to the ship and they spray something on him, but they spray something up at the top of the chest and not down at the stomach. Huh. And it was just the whole thing, like, yeah. they can't remember Well, this whole the, the whole first fight scene, like, the shooting and the reactions to being shot are so freaking ridiculous mm-hmm. and off, 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 um, it doesn't make, it doesn't make sense. In my notes, I have dramatic shooting, dramatic dying. Yes, I just had a big, <laughs> huge re- revelation. Dying. The one thing watching this, the neckerchiefs, like, I'm, I don't know, that was a big WTF moment because they make a, an interest of people taking them on and off. First guy that gets shot has a neckerchief. So maybe it's when you have a neckerchief, that's you're the next to die. <laughs> oh man, it's like the red shirt, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then, so Alan, what, what about what's your WTFs? All right, so I've got uh, how does the ugly alien hooker make a living? Attracted <laughs> to her. So again, yes. missing a huge opportunity to show how weird this future world is. Let's see. Um, the kid gets a beer. All right, huh. now this reinforces the whole, this is like Cloak and Dagger and these other uh, kids' fantasy things. Because not only does this kid get to kill like every kid wants to, uh, but on top of that, that kid gets a nice frosty beer after. Yeah. <laughs> and a whole beer, he doesn't even just get a sip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, They're not okay, his parents. It's 1983. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> And it's interesting because then the insect that he captures, it gets put into an empty beer can, and that's where it lives after the plastic. So this kid really does like go from innocent kid hunting bugs to human killing, spaceship flying, watching people die. Blooded beside. Beer swilling <laughs> outlaw. I mean, every 10-year-old's dream. And he still has that terrible hair. Yes. Yeah, well. I think... That's us kind of projecting that on him because they don't actually sh- they show the actual actions, but the entire time the kid is blank faced, kind of smiling. He's got one emotional moment where he's crying because Hawk might die, maybe. Oh, spoilers. spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> but the whole time, it's just the kid is the same. At the end, he's even running like a kid would run. Yeah, right. He goes back to being a kid. Yeah. So there's like no character development. I I, I see anyway. That's yeah, because like it's like Hawk likes this kid from the beginning. Yeah. The lady that doesn't like the kid from the beginning doesn't end up really liking the kid, right? But she I mean, dies, like, so so what? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Very <it's>, dramatically. <laughs> there dramatic. is no... Well, everything she does is dramatic. Did you see that shot of her just throwing the thing out of the yeah, locker? Yeah. Everything she does is like... Her barrel rolls are just like the most pronounced barrel rolls I've ever seen. She's, she's trying to act, okay? No, she is being. She's, she's beyond <laughs> acting. She is being... <laughs> Set design's nice, though, and again, because they borrowed it from something else, yeah. but... Um, and a big WTF moment I have is, is this movie just, like, fakes emotion. Right. Like, it tries to have these big, moving, emotional moments, but doesn't do anything to, to build up mm-hmm. and, and create those things. Um, like, this crew here, like, I don't even know that they... I mean, all that is just so faked. They're all huddled around the, the shop person trying to save them, and... But we don't even know his name. We don't even know this guy's name. I think they said it once. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. but we don't care. Yeah. Are these good guys? Are they bad guys? I mean, well, obviously they're bad guys. They just stole what? some stuff. Maybe they, No, maybe they're rebels. Maybe they stole good stuff. Okay, maybe. 
Uh, the other WTF moment at the very <laughs> beginning, the voice over the intercom. Yeah. Is yeah. playing this like it's uh, uh, a Mel Brooks film. Right, right. Yeah, it was really aw- awkward. Yeah. Because I, I expected from the music, which sounded more like Galaxy Quest, yeah. it sounded more like a kid's adventure. And then from this voiceover, I'm thinking, oh, it's going to be a comedy or yeah. a kid's adventure thing. And then dude gets shot. He dies right in front of him. He's got blood all over him. Everybody gets upset. Oh, there's look, there was emotion. <laughs> ah, they, they caught the getting. Yeah. But then it gets really it's 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 trying to find its 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 holding, but it's not doing a good job at figuring out what to do. Yeah, it's like it, it tries <laughs> to do everything and therefore does nothing, right? It's not yeah. funny as it could be. The emotional stuff doesn't land. Right. Even the action that, stuff doesn't land. So even if we're talking about because the about shots this, don't hit. Well, yeah. it, the worst. There's a mo- or another WTF. So there's a point at which our heroes are on a bridge. And they're crossing it. Well, we use heroes in big quotation marks. Our heroes, the people that the camera is pointed at most of the time, are crossing a bridge. And there is a parallel bridge that has robots on it. There is a low rail on the bridge. There's no exchange of fire until they hit the end of the bridge. It's suddenly, oh, that low rail has stopped blocking our line of sight. Now it is time to engage the robots. We all know that robots can't hit with railings. <laughs> well, okay, but we're passing up the opportunity for some for very savage railing kills. Yes, uh, to use a line from MST3K. There's a, a movie they do called Space Mutiny, which just has situation after situation where someone gets shot and falls over a railing. Yes, right. <laughs> and at one point, someone falls over, they all yell, "Railing kill!" And, so. Wasted they, opportunity. They passed up that opportunity. And the robots are also played up at one point as, like, really threatening. Mm-hmm. And then they just shoot one and it falls right over. It's like, why didn't you do that before? Yeah. <laughs> Not only that, but they kicked one and he fell down. And he tried to get up and the other person just stepped on the raw chest and it just stayed down. Like... Uh, well, okay. So the robots are not menacing. <laughs> and that's why they went with clones. Oh, wait, wrong movie. <laughs> so one of the things towards the beginning of the movie when they find out, find the kid, uh, Hawk goes, I won't hurt you. I'll either ransom you or throw you out an airlock. <laughs> wait. <laughs> I love that quote. Because, uh, I mean, he's not going to hurt him. He's either going to ransom him or pretty much kill him. Okay, I said so, something like that to my son. So quote roundup. All right. All right. Quotes. Okay. Yeah. When I grow up, I'm going to have a job in some office. <laughs> I won't get to kill anyone then. Let's see. Uh, quote, we never do laundry. <laughs> that should be the, the tagline for this one. Uh, quote, I'm just another loser trying to stay alive. And guess what? It didn't work. <laughs> it's dead. I think, I think that's Hawk, actually. So I guess he did stay alive, but he got everyone else in his crew killed. For yeah. no gain whatsoever. Amazing leader. <laughs> Leadership qualities. Yeah. Yeah. Another, then, oh, you got one? Okay. Oh, I think that's... Actually, I think that's everything. So, eventually we will get to the WTF of the overall plot here. Yes. But... I got another quote. You can't buy rings. They gotta come to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. And I'm like, uh, no, I've been to a store. Yeah, you that's actually need to pay money. <laughs> to get it it is like the watching somewhere in time. <laughs> Oh, so this is a, a wide-eyed young kid with a crazy, grizzled old man. 
They go on an adventure. Oh. Back to the future. <laughs> and Star Wars. And Star Wars. Yes. And everything. But I had to bring it back. back to the I had to bring it back to Back to the Future. Yep. Future Day was a couple days ago at, at the time of this recording, so yes. I wanted to bring that in. Well, thank we you for always have yeah. to link back to Back to the Future. Thank you for uh, that. So <laughs> I wanted to wait until a little bit later on <clears throat> to talk about kind of the plot. We have seven yeah, minutes left. Movie. Okay. But. What I got was this is raising Arizona in space. Mm, that's home, a good one. home alone in space. Got it. Um, and there was uh, something else in space. Cloak and dagger in space. Yeah, <laughs> but they have the wet space bandits. Is what I. There was two guys yeah. that were trying to. Yeah, you're right. You're to right. To kidnap oh, the kid. So that whole trying to get yeah. him in the ductwork thing. Yep, you're yeah. right. Yeah, hundred percent. Except without, yeah. except without yep. the man traps. Um, but anyway. <laughs> The one thing that uh, scares me a little bit is that because I watched this, now I'm getting the recommendation, similar title is Ice Pirates. Ice Pirates is not on Prime. I remember watching Ice Pirates and loving that thing as a kid. And I probably saw it on Cinemax or something like that, right? And maybe a VHS tape or whatever. I remember loving it. I am so deathly afraid right now to go back and watch it because it might be this. I don't think it's this. It might not live up to your memories, but it won't be that it is. <laughs> but I think that's that's the one of the, the things, right? Like some of these things are better left unrewatched. Yeah. Like Short ways. Circuit. Short Circuit is a film that for me did not hold up on watching it 25, 30 I, years later, I would right? Believe that, yes. I don't know what that means. But it's just a feeling I had when I saw that. I was like, oh, this is bad, and they're comparing it to this. Dear God, I love this. Don't destroy things I love. Well, going from Star Crash to this being in that algorithm, do you feel that any of these movies are slightly better or more watchable than others? Uh, We will get to our, I think, our first actual movie we've watched here that I've actually enjoyed next time. Okay. Because that's uh, Secret Empire. And Secret Empire is actually fun. Okay. I mean, it doesn't land all the time. And the jokes are like sub-Elvira wordplay. So... Okay, and okay, and there's a there's a Native American woman, and everything she says is bad Native American jokes. Oh, so okay. it's okay. It's probably a little racist too, but <laughs> it was the eighties. Other than that, it was actually really yeah. enjoyable. <laughs> if I know anything about the eighties, it was racist and cocaine driven. That's what yes. I mean. <laughs> yes. Plot issue in this one. The big problem is that we have a situation where we have a kidnapped child. And the corporation that the kid's parent, at least his dad, his works dad, yeah. for, uh, wants him back. And they send that big, slow-looking, rip-off Corellian Corvette to go get him. And they get into lots of fights with our heroes, quotation marks, uh, repeatedly, to get the kid. And at the end of the movie, they take the kid back. They were trying to do that the entire time. But they were trying to take the kid back, and the corporation was trying to kick the kid back. So, yeah, so, so your corporation's so, not killing us. So, so in film, the drama becomes when two people want this sometimes the same thing, right? And they and they both can't have it. But the same thing that these two want. They can, they can both have without any conflict, right? And I think this film tries to manufacture all of its emotion, tries to manufacture all of its conflict. And this is a failure of, well, as we see, some <laughs> acting, but of, of poor storytelling. 
Yes, it reminds me of, have either of you seen the Tales of Ribaldry uh, skits? I think it was from Saturday Night Live. It was John Lovitz. And he plays this character named Evelyn Quince, who is this fop who is telling these naughty stories. Uh, and he some, yeah. is he loves sexual tension, but he hates it when it actually gets resolved. And one of the episodes has Tom Hanks as this like sweaty workman who two women are lusting after. And at one point, the story just says, well, why don't we have a threesome? And the women agree immediately and quit. They, it cuts to quits and he's horrified. <laughs> the story <laughs> has been resolved. <laughs> this won't do. <laughs> it's the same kind of thing here. It's like, well, why don't we just take the kid back and we'll all be happy. <laughs> and, and then and, we won't have a story. Unless dead. <laughs> and, yeah. and none of us will die. Well, that and the, the two wet, wet space bandits stole the kid. And then the guys that kidnapped the kid in the beginning went after the kid. And they're on the right because kidnapping's wrong. But double kidnapping is wronger? Apparently. Yeah. And apparently, like, the crime lord who, like, sent the guys to kidnap the kid was going to ransom the kid to the corporation. Well, he didn't send him to kidnap the kid. The kid just kind of went on the the ship for reasons, I saw. Okay, okay. He just went up. He looked up in the the space hatch, or the hatch of the ship. There was a ladder there. There was a shot that went by him. He's like, I'm going in the ship. And nonchalant about it. The entire time nonchalant about the fire... The, the, the weapons fire, the dead bodies around him, the bleeding out guy. Kid's okay with that. Yeah, so they didn't really kidnap him. He was a stowaway. Yeah. And right. Because space laws are written as they are, it ended up being kidnapping, I guess, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> I, what's frustrating is it seems like everybody wants the same thing in this, mm-hmm. and the only conflict is who's going to get paid well, for it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I don't know who the bad guys are. I don't know what the corporation is. It's like these entities have no clear um, anything because even the who's the big bad? The corporation with the cor- uh, the the tent of four what? ripoff. Why? But, but the thing because is- it's a death sh- ship. But the corporation is representing the interests of these poor parents who <laughs> yeah. lost their no, child. Not the poor parents, just the, the one father, father that yeah. wants to get his kid back, and his immediate boss is saying, eh, we'll blow him up, it's okay. If he survives, he survives, but we're going to get him back, either way. <laughs> really? That's sister. what she kind of said. <laughs> How did I know Because she sent that? this death ship out. I think part of the problem is, I mean, we had the issue, obviously, of mixing up the movies as part of this podcast because of... Um, just, you know, watching them like we have, but compounded with the fact they use the same freaking music and same shots is making this difficult. Because I'm remembering, I'm thinking back to now, um, I don't know if I'm remembering Battle Beyond the Stars or remembering this, um, but the, the, uh, I can't remember, never mind, it's not important. (laughs) I'm sure it's in some galaxy far, far away. Now you sound like Roger Corman. Yes, yes. Best actor in this entire film, or movie, not film, sorry, this entire movie, there is a guy in the bar who's just trying to build a, ca- a, car- a house of cards. During okay. the fight, he's trying to build it, and you can tell it's all taped together, but he's just trying to cover his cards up, and then later on, he's got a bug on his nose, like a big bug, and he's just trying to break friends with it, he's still trying to build his house of cards. That guy is the best extra ever. 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 Like, he steals the scene the entire time. I know that's off on a tangent and a rant, but it's good stuff. Have, right. you, have you listened to our podcast before? No, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> it's off out there, but it, it was good. So, a warning. 
uh, flight plan here will return. Is a character. Because he is played by Tom Christopher, who plays Truxardis, the villain from Deathstalker 3. Sweet. I'm so excited for And the music from Battle Beyond the Stars, which is used in this movie, is also used as the theme music in Deathstalker 3. I was trying desperately to figure out, where have I heard this yes. before? And then, oh my okay. god, no. So, apparently, TV Guide stated that the story, and this is from Wikipedia, was a thinly disguised ripoff of Star Wars. What? In the sense that everything about space in 1983 was a thinly disguised ripoff of Star Wars, I suppose. I I mean, yeah, because space... It's a legitimate accusation to make about pretty much anything (laughs) other than Star Trek at that point. Yeah, wow. Okay. But it's not really playing around (laughs) with that. Other than the dirtiness of the aesthetic. And again, this is hilarious, so I'll read verbatim here. On September 2nd, 2014, Scorpion Releasing, which is the name of a company, released Space Raiders on DVD as a standard release and on Blu-ray as a 2,000-unit limited edition. The special features include the film's theatrical trailer and interviews with Corman, star David Mendenhall, and post-production supervisor Clark Henderson. As of February 19th, 2016, the Blu-ray has not sold out and is still available for purchase at regular prices. Like that, that second, that last line just seems like so like angry and so like mean, right? <laughs> you couldn't even sell 2,000 copies of this. Loser film. <sighs> I do miss the days of sci-fi movies and TV shows where they had uh, flashing lights in the background for no reason other than they flash and they yeah, look fancy. the flashing lights and the, and the toggle switches seem yep. to be like, that was everybody thought the future was going to be. Now it's all touchscreens and holograms. Yeah. Sad day. Because that's, I think... Transparent stuff on the bridge. Yeah, of course transparent stuff on the bridge. I think in Battle Beyond the Stars when the hero um, starts to pilot the ship and he's talking to a ship that has AI yet he still has to flip a few toggle ships, yeah. toggle switches that are not labeled. It's kind of like, it, it is dumb. Um, <laughs> But, but, like, this ship can... and uh, Yeah, we'll have to do Battle Beyond the Stars. Sorry. I, mean, I don't want to get off on that one. I don't want to con- confuse anybody. But um, the scarf thing there, and that's a huge thing. They all have neckerchiefs. I don't know why. I don't know what part of, of the pirate's life for me that re- that requires. Maybe it's... Oh, a- there it is. There's our space alien. Yeah. Or yeah. space... Um, hey, Flight Plan's checking her out. So oh, he does. At the beginning, Flight Plan said, she's not my type. And then she turns around and he's like... Yeah, she's yes. my type. Because you are like flight player. Yes, because <laughs> so he doesn't a, like humans. He's a space player. So it's one o'clock. So, uh, Mr. Clink, you have to go to class yes, at some point, right? So, so what do we learn? Number one, it's, it's a hard living as a space whore. <laughs> <laughs> Number one. Number that one. Our because that, and I'm I'm using that word because that's how she's titled in the in the yes. in the it's credits. Not our so, fault. Yes. Yes, blame, blame the 80s. Blame, blame the misogynistic 80s. If you're 11-year-old and in space, you cannot get killed because adults will help you. So go with strangers? <laughs> That's so, what I get from this, yeah. right? So go with strangers. Go with yes. strangers. Don't go with strangers, kids. But go with strangers in space, apparently. That's, and what I learned is it is very important to communicate at all times or else your entire crew will get killed by people who want the same goal you want. Awesome. All right, so from Michael Clink, Dr. Alan Barris, Michael Vanderpool, because you watch Star Crash... This movie that might be Battle Beyond Raiders of the Lost Somethings. Um, (laughs) We will see you next time. Bye. Bye, folks.